0: Hello everyone, I'm Hadley. And I'm Emily. And welcome back to another episode of Dark, Damned, and Disturbed. Welcome! We are finally here for part two of Jack the Ripper. Wow. Well, we made it. Whoever this thought we'd get here. Nearly, <laughs> this one is not nearly as long. So, we're just gonna jump on in here. So, obviously this whole entire case is just a doozy. There's a lot of things and people and suspects and the list this is just like a never-ending list of things so we're going to talk about the suspects today so when the murder of annie chapman happened police had decided that they were seeking out a lone assassin and they started to hunt started their hunt to figure out who he was and to bring him in so there was some debate as to whether he was someone with a medical background or if he was just like some random butcher and because of this the police put a lot of work And they were checking every butcher in the area, every slaughterhouse in the area, and they were doing everything they could to eliminate as many people as possible. I want to say I read somewhere that, like, the suspect pool for Jack the Ripper got up to, like, 67,000 people just because of, like, the people that were in the area. Like, it, how do you, where do you even start? That's (laughs) kind of a lot. (laughs) 67,000 people. Yeah. So police were convinced that he lived in the area and they focused their searches to the neighborhood where the crimes themselves happened. And the police carried out over 2,000 interviews and they fully investigated over 3,000 people, over 300 people. I'm sorry, I added an extra sure to that. 300 people. And they ended up taking 80 people into custody thinking that they were the guy. But out of all the interviews, suspects, and people that they detained, they just still had nothing that could concretely... Tie any of these people to the murders. The police had a suspect list that was really just never ending. And they are con- they were constantly adding more people to the list as the murders continued. And the victims were sided with different men and you know, the more tips they got, the longer the list got. So some of the more far fetched ones were Prince Albert, Edward, Victor, Lewis Carroll, the Freemasons, the, you know, they kind of go all over the place. So there, I found on one website there's probably like 10 or 12 people they fully listed but there were like eight i think this is eight eight that were really good um one two three four five six seven yeah eight so there's eight in total that i talk about there are too many we would literally be here for seven parts if i went into detail about every single suspect they've ever had Jack <laughs> ripper i simply do not have the mental wherewithal to to go <laughs> that deep into this but so, No, I'm 100% positive so the eight people we're going to talk about are George Chapman Thomas Cutbush, Dr. Francis Tumblety, James Maybrick, Walter Sickert Charles Cross, Montague John Druitt and Aaron Kaminsky Kaminsky I typed that out and I still can't read it anyway what was that one guy's name? Tinkle Tree? Montague John uh, Oh, Tumblety Tumblety I like that name. Double (laughs) Just, I know it's funny. Um, So different police constables all had different suspects that they really thought was the guy, which is to be expected. Um, And once again, there was like a bajillion police constables that were working this. I'm not going to get into like who thought what and who and when and where and why and the connections. We're just going to talk about the suspects and kind of a little bit about them and part like kind of why they think it was them. So, George Chapman, he was actually called Severin Klosowski. So sorry, I spelled it phonetically, still can't. can't It's okay, girl. And he was a junior student in Poland in 1887. And either later that year or in early 1888, he moved to London and he worked as a hairdresser's assistant, which like, I don't know, but that just seems like a really big (laughs) downgrade in terms of your career. (laughs) You went from a junior surgeon to cutting hair. Not that there's anything wrong with cutting hair, but that's a pretty big jump (laughs) in terms of what you're doing. So he married a woman named Lucy in October of 1889, and he was still working at a barber shop. He and Lucy moved to America in 1891 and he was a barber in Jersey City and they got into a violent argument and Lucy was pregnant and she decided to go back to England in May of 1892 and she gave birth to their daughter there. So he did eventually go back to the UK shortly after his wife and they briefly got back together and then 1893 he found a woman named Annie Chapman, which is not the same one. Because obviously the Annie Chapman that the Jack the Ripper killed had been dead by now. But he lived with her until 1894. And he did keep something from her, though. And what he kept from her was uh, her name. So he changed his name to George Chapman. That's where Chapman comes from. He had multiple lovers. And then those lovers started turning up dead. One in 1897. Another in 1901. Another in 1902. And the police wound up exhuming the bodies of his first two dead wives and they found traces of poison and then they ended up arresting him in 1903 for their murders. And once they convicted him for those murders, they started to think that he possibly could have been Jack the Ripper. Despite their best efforts, they ended up not being able to connect him because they kind of made a realization. The way that he was murdering his wives was pretty like calm. It's very like nonviolent violent Uh not aggressive and jack was slicing and dicing so this is very like that's a very big jump to make so it didn't make sense to them why he would just be poisoning these few women and then he would go and just jump right into slicing and dicing like jack the ripper was it just didn't make sense to them so that is why they do not think it was george so the next suspect is thomas cutbush And there's nothing that's really all that great about him. They didn't really have anything on him. There was nothing to tie him to anything. The son reported that he was named um, Jack by... The Sun reported and and he was named by them as Jack the Ripper. But they never really went into it. They just kind of said that he fit Mm -hmm. the description. So basically they (laughs) blasted this poor dude into the media. They were like... He's it. He's Jack the Ripper. Um, Sorry, but he was never <laughs> caught anything. So the son claimed that he caught a venereal disease, which is aka an STD, from a prostitute, and that the delusions from that disease led to him killing the prostitutes. He was reported many times as being dirty, demented, incoherent, destructive, dirty in habits, stubborn, occupied, and silent, among many other things. But he was never tied to the murders, and he died in 1903. So, go ahead and get your phone out, Emily, because you need to Google this man. Our okay. boy, Tumbletee, Dr. Francis Tumbletee. Go ahead and Google him, because talk about a mustache. That's a mustache. Oh my gosh. Francis Tumbletee. <laughs> That's a mustache. <laughs> wow, but the beans. So, just so you guys know, it's Tumblety. T. It's like the word Tumble, T U N B L E T Y. That's his last name. If you want to Google him, his mustache is really intense. Um, so, this guy, even people around him thought that he was guilty. He just kind of pitched people around and kind of had it out for him, I guess. So, the chief inspector was really out for him. But someone wrote to him and told him about a doctor, about a Dr. T, who was an American quack named Tumblety, and it was believed that he committed suicide um but it happened right around the time that jack the murders Rip, jack the rippers murders ended and he was apparently a fake indian herbalist and he wasn't even a real doctor but basically he was never heard from again and so or they didn't hear from him so they thought that he committed suicide but he didn't Um, he was heard from again eventually. So people claimed that he collected specimens from bodies that he... that were, like, later used to link him to the murders, but they never found anything. He was apparently said to be collecting uteri, so, like, you know, ladies' reproductive organs and whatnot. He was apparently collecting those, but they never found Hmm. them, if he really was. So there was no concrete evidence to tie him to anything, and the police didn't even really think that he was the guy anyways. So... RIP Tumble because you weren't the guy. So James Maybrick, he apparently had a diary, and he was claiming in his diary that his wife, who he repeatedly called a bitch and a whore, was caught by him with another man in the Whitechapel district, and his rage sent him into a murder spree. He murdered his wife in 1889 by poisoning her with arsenic, or his wife no, his wife murdered him in 1889 by poisoning him with arsenic. Now, the author of the diary was never actually named. It's just speculated to be James. And the person who wrote this diary was detailed, was detailing the murder of five prostitutes, and even wrote in it, "quote I give my name to all that know. No, I give my name that all know of me. So history do tell what love can do to a gentle, um, a gentleman born. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper." Someone suggested that James could have been the person who authored the diary and did the murders. But once again, there was little to no evidence that supported this. They also, they did determine that the time period in which he wrote all of that, it could have been him. But once again, we have nothing to tie James to any of this. We have nothing. So Walter Sickert is the next one. And different authors have linked him to Jack the Ripper. They all had different theories, some of which said that he was the murderer himself, but some said that he was an accomplice of Jack the Ripper. There was one novelist, Patricia Cornwell, who was convinced that Walter did the crimes and she actually took it upon herself to use modern forensic techniques to try to connect the crimes to Walter. And this really made her stand out because she was willing to do what nobody else was because she wasn't limited by money or like the legalities of having to deal with it. She was just able to do what she wanted. When she wanted it. And her book that she published in 2002, which is called Portrait of a Killer, Jack the Ripper, Case Closed. So she published that in 2002. And she had a few theories as to why Sickert was Jack the Ripper. As a child, he apparently had multiple very painful operations for a fistula of the penis. And her theory is that this series of operations left him scarred and with a hatred of women, which is what led him to carrying out the murders but her theory was considered to not be the best because the hospital that she was claiming performed the surgeries didn't actually specialize in this type of fistula surgery but that to me I'm just kind of like I think the website said that they did like rectal fistulas so they were dealing with like buttholes and I just am like it's really not that I know they're not the same but it's not that far of a jump like that to me isn't enough to be like no it's not him it couldn't have been him he went to a butthole hospital, not a penis hospital. <laughs> like, that, that, this isn't concrete enough to say for sure that this guy isn't it. But anyway, um, Sickert was apparently fascinated with murder and finding different ways to murder people, but that doesn't mean that he was the one that was committing these murders. Also, there was little to no evidence that he was even in England at the time of the murders. So, there was like, they were saying that he was somewhere else. He could. They were saying he wasn't even in London when this was happening. So, um, sickert was apparently writing stuff pretending to be jack the ripper so cornwall the author she paid for dna a dna test to be done and they using various stamps and envelopes that sickert had licked and like sent out they were comparing it to the letters that the ripper had sent out and they did find a possible dna match on one letter but the level of precision of the dna match was so low that it really made it nearly impossible to definitively say that it was sickert so the police. Ultimately, they had to close the case against him. Obviously, the DNA stuff is more modern, but even back in the day, they didn't have anything to tie him to it. So, this is just a pattern. They have all these great suspects. <laughs> this These kinds of cases annoy me because of that. Like, we get so close. So, yeah. Charlie Cross is who's next. And, like I said, um, there were 67,000 people that could have been Jack the Ripper. And it was just on the basis of them living in the area where the murders happened. So Charles is the man who found Mary Nichols body in Buck's row. And Mary is the first known victim of Jack the Ripper. So Charles was on his way to work and he found her body. So naturally he became a suspect and police initially believed that Charles was just genuinely like that. He just had bad luck. He stumbled upon this body while he was on his way to work. And that was the extent of the involvement that he had. But in 2012, the idea of him being an innocent person with unfortunate luck shifted into him being the one to blame for the murder and that he was lying to the police about everything. So, obviously, he was in the area where her body was found, so he does look a little suspicious. little sus. <laughs> it's totally, it, it is common if you find a body, like, obviously, they're going to assume for a minute or two that it was you. So, you know, that's not weird. Um, but for me, it's just weird that it took so long, like in 2012, mm-hmm. they were like, no, it has been him. This is like hundreds of years later. Um, but there was apparently a witness who saw him that morning and he was seen trying to cover up some of the wounds on her body. And this man who was accusing him was named Robert Paul. And he claims that he believes he interrupted Charles in the middle of the murder. And that is why he was covering up the wounds. So because he was literally caught mid act in this theory or the theory was that he was pretending to cover up the wounds because he knew that it would look suspicious if he just left. So he just decided to pretend to be the one to cover the body up, like to, to find the body so there was obviously little to no evidence to support this theory but it also didn't help his case that when the police got there he gave them a false name and they could really only tie him to this one case like the one where he found the body and they couldn't find a way to tie him to any of the other cases so they can't for sure really rule him or anyone you know as the dude because they have little to no evidence for any of them but come on now, my dude. This is, <laughs> like, I know. It's, there's so many of these cases that I wish. And like, I know that you had mentioned to me, like that there was a thing that they, they caught Jack the Ripper. Finally, like with DNA testing, I talk about that, but I do wish that like, I know in the like late nineties, or not late 90s, the, like, 1960s, 70s-ish, they were, like, saving evidence because they were, like, someday we might be able to do something with this. Someday we can do something. And so it's, like, you just imagine. But obviously, like, things don't just live or, like, you know, the stuff's Mm -hmm. not going to just hang around for 100 plus Mm -hmm. years. So (laughs) they definitely probably couldn't have saved it as well from the 1880s as they could from today. But so our next suspect is Montague John Druitt. And he is one of the police constable's uh, favorite suspects. He listed him and him and three other people in his memorandum, which included Druitt. And Druitt actually committed suicide. He was let go from his job around the, end of 18, eight, uh, around the end of November of 1888. And he was a suspect because of the timing of his suicide. Around the time that he killed himself, the murder stopped. And this was just around the same time that the last victim's murder happened. But just like the others, um, we have no evidence. So they, it's just falling apart. They had his age wrong. They were saying that he was 41, but he was actually 31. And Druitt was not a doctor, but numerous family members of his were. And since he was just let go from his job around the same time, it's believed that he just killed himself in response to that, not out of guilt for committing the murders. But This one, they genuinely, they genuinely didn't have a shred of evidence. It was just hearsay and can't do anything with that. So the next suspect, which is the last suspect, is Aaron Kosminski. So Aaron is a major suspect and he is arguably the prime suspect in this case. So, two of the highest-ranking officers really, truly thought that Aaron was the guy. Aaron was a Polish-born immigrant, and they think that he got to London sometime between 1871 and 1873. But they really don't know much about his life. They were able to get a hold of some of his medical records, where he put down that his occupation was a hairdresser. But he also hadn't... He said that he hadn't worked or tried to work in years. Like, why did they need so many hairdressers? Like... (laughs) Girl, you remember back then their hair? (laughs) This is apparently a place where they're dirty and nasty. So it's like, I didn't think they cared for their hair. So why would they? They had all those big wigs. I don't know if they were still wearing those wigs back then. Oh, you might be right. I don't know, know, girl. I don't know. I don't know, know, you know, English history that well. So I don't know. Could have been. But, you know, London, the city of a million hairdressers. So. Aaron showed signs of having some type of mental illness, and he was actually admitted to Mild End Old Town Workhouse. And he was there for, like, three days. And this was after the murders in... This was in 1890. So he was eventually readmitted again in February of 1891. And when he was admitted that time, he was certified as insane. And they ended up moving him to Middlesex County Lunatic Asylum. Which, like, I just loved it back in the day. We... (laughs) They were aggressive. They were were very blunt. (laughs) They were. Lunatic asylum. Lunatic asylum. And then, like, the poor victims were, they were like, she was stout. Her teeth were disgusting. She had rats and bugs all in her hair. Like, (laughs) they were just. Yes, she was ugly. (laughs) He was disgusting. And then, like, you know, even these guys, which, like, obviously they're suspects of being a brutal murderer, but at the same time, like, all of these guys, they're, like, they were dirty. They were nasty. They were rude. They were mean. <laughs> I, feel, I feel more bad for the victims, though, because, like, the one, I can't remember her name, but the one, they were, like, she was a stout woman missing two of her teeth. The rest of her teeth seemed to be okay. She was dirty. She was a prostitute. Like, <laughs> just so brutal. everything. Every single <laughs> literally they were so brutal um but yeah so he's at the old lunatic asylum and the admission book there said that he was 26 he was a hairdresser and his cause of insanity was unknown but they did note that he was self-abusing which i'm assuming just means he was self-harming but the admission book also said that he was not a danger to others so that's a really big thing is people are like okay they're saying he's not a danger to others so like why would he be slicing and dicing these poor ladies. So the admission book also said, "Quote, he declares that he is guided and his movements altogether controlled by an instinct that informs his mind. He says that he knows the movements of all mankind. He refuses he refuses food from others because he is told to do so and he eats out of the gutter for the same reason." So someone named Jacob Cohen saw Aaron like out in public and he and said, "Quote, he goes He goes about the streets and picks up bits of bread out of the gutter and eats them. He drinks water from the tap and refuses food to to eat out of the hands of others. He took up a knife and threatened the life of his sister. He is very dirty and will not be washed. He has not attempted any kind of work for years. Which, once again, we're right back with the... uh, They dirty. (laughs) He's very dirty and unwashed. Sir. (laughs) Like, eating bread out of the gutter... Ew, Ew. <laughs> My floors in my like house are clean. I don't even like to eat, I mean, I do be eating it, but I don't like to eat the floor. <laughs> I guess I do it more here because the dogs are here. But like when I'm at my house, someone hits the floor and there's a dog. No, if it's got a dog hair on it, it's more. So why I do be eating it? But no. <laughs> I mean, don't lie. You be eating stuff off the floor of your house too. Um, I do. I do, girl. so um he was eventually transferred to another facility and he was frequently described as being quote extremely deluded and rather difficult to deal with on account of the dominant character of his delusions he was also described as dull and delusional his he apparently also used a chair once to hit one of the attendants but that was the only violent thing that they ever had noted that he had done and Aaron displayed signs of schizophrenia, but he said, but he was said to be um, delusional, paranoid, incoherent, and you know, just like he had a lovely little cocktail happening up there for him, unfortunately. And despite all of that, he was still considered to be one of the major suspects of Jack the Ripper. So he was considered as a suspect because he was said to have been identified by someone who witnessed the Ripper, but the Ripper, but the witness wouldn't testify against him. Because he was a quote fellow Jew, <laughs> and so okay. press charges against him. So literally, this guy saw him <laughs> brutally murdering a woman and was like, "Nah, you know we got to... That's my homie. That's my homie. <laughs> we can't, we can't, uh, we can't, we can't, we can't rat on him. He's a fellow Jew. Which, like, what a silly thing. I mean, I don't know. I don't know much about Judaism, but that's." <laughs> No, he said, That's my boy. That's my boy. (laughs) That's my dog. Put some respect on my name, you know? (laughs) 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 Like, I I love you, but if I saw you brutally murdering someone, like I would (laughs) I don't I don't know what I would do, but (laughs) you a snitch? (laughs) I don't know, I might. It just just depends. Just don't put me in that situation. There's an idea. (laughs) No I'll try, (laughs) you know. Don't involve me. I don't plan on killing anyone, so hopefully you don't either, but, you know, the night is still young. I mean, me either, you know. (laughs) it's still young. So, um, Aaron, however, he did have something that these other suspects did not have, and that was evidence against him. So, in 2019, researchers took it upon themselves to attempt to close the Jack the Ripper case, and they think that they did. So two researchers ran genetic testing on a silk shawl that was stained with blood and semen that was found next to the body of Catherine Adows, which was, she was the fourth murder victim. And in 2007, an author named Russell Edwards bought the shawl and he did try to get some testing done, but it didn't pan out. But the second time that he tried, they had some success. So they found fragments of mitochondrial DNA, which they noted as something that you inherit from your mom and they were able to link those samples to some of the living relatives of Catherine and Aaron so the witness wouldn't testify because you know whatever he was a fellow Jew and he apparently he did give the police a description of what he saw and through DNA evidence they were able to match the brown hair and brown eyes that the guy said the dude had but like that's really vague it's very vague like there's a lot of brown hair brown eyed people and i want to say i read somewhere and i don't know how like factual this is it was just mixed in with one of these articles and i read there's literally like 10 sources for this one so one of the websites said that like maybe it was more modern or more like at the time but the um the most common like hair like most common eye color was blue so like him having brown eyes it kind of is different but it's not but like i don't know if that was like back then blue eyes were more dominant or if it was now blue eyes are more dominant i don't know but like almost all most of my family has brown eyes so i don't know um (laughs) i don't know how genetic She's a little sus i made those little squares in in school but i don't remember (laughs) how the squares work um so They really do believe that this DNA evidence was the last missing piece of the puzzle that they needed to solve this case, but there are some issues with this DNA evidence. So some researchers say that mitochondrial DNA isn't enough to say for sure that it is from one particular person, but it is better at saying it's not from someone. So they're basically saying they can't definitively tell you, yes, it was Aaron, but they can tell you it wasn't all these other people who aren't Aaron. So. They could just kind of eliminate people that they know it wasn't. Um, So it could be from Aaron, but it could also be from like 100,000 other people. God only knows. So there's... 67,000. That's just in the area. They could have expanded their search at some point. I'm sure they did. Hmm. But there's also really no way to confirm that this shawl was ever actually at the scene of the crime. And it could have very easily been contaminated over the years just being like passed around or whatever. So there is, there has even been testing that claims there was DNA evidence to link, you know, like Walter Sickert, and that was apparently done via the letters, but it was never confirmed. So, like, the DNA thing, it sounds really good in theory, but it just never pans out. So, like, it's great that they're able to do these things, but, you know, all these people are they're dead. So, they're not really dead. Very dead. They're very dead. So, the DNA, it makes it appealing to say that it was Aaron, but I just, I just don't think it was Aaron. Um, just having one witness and, like, him being a hairdresser and the things that were done to the bodies, it just doesn't line up for me. If I had to pick someone from this list, I would say I'm leaning more toward, like, George Chapman, but that's only because of him having, like, the surgical experience. But even with that, I'm only, like, I'm only, like, 10% confident that it was him. I'm not, like, I'm not anywhere near being yeah. that. That's the guy. But... Like, because with him, it was like he went from being, like, poisoning people to now you're expecting me to believe that he brutally murdered five women randomly. That just doesn't line up either. Every single one of these guys, nothing just adds up 100%. That's what makes it so freaking frustrating. So, like I said, I'm not 100% sure that any of these people are actually the guy. And there are a lot more suspects than the ones that I covered. But unfortunately for me me and everyone, I don't have time to sift through 67,000 names. So you don't? I actually, I, I'm, I'm very busy. So she's pretty booked. She's pretty booked. Um, these are just the ones that I could find like a decent amount of information on. Also, these are just the ones I found most interesting. Like a lot of them, it was just kind of like this guy somewhat fit a description that one random person told us on a Tuesday in October, and so we brought him in and yada yada yada, and nothing panned out. But like these people, they had a little bit more of like a backstory and some things. Um. That made sense. So I was just like, okay, what mm-hmm. with these guys? Um, but those are our Jack the Ripper suspects that at least I'm going to cover. Um, but I want to know, not only for Emily, but like, who do you guys think it was? Do you think it was anyone on this list? Do you think it was someone who wasn't on the list? Because um, I'm real confused. <laughs> yeah no i'm kind of with you i feel like it could it could literally be anyone yeah i think it's like some of the other ones too it's like kind of convenient like the couple people who like mm-hmm. suicide and then it was like right after like those kind of thing but once again you get like you need a hundred percent we get like 10 to 20 percent from each of these guys and it's like oh my god and that 10 or 20 percent looks so good but then when you put that 10 20 percent with the rest of it it's like oh crap okay that doesn't make it even, nothing else lines up <laughs> like i don't remember what was the timeline again like between like the amount of time between the murders roughly it started in like uh, let me look at my notes it should be right here um i know it ended in november sorry guys there's literally so many people and so many things that have happened i can't even begin to try to keep up with the exact timeline (laughs) so marion nichols was murdered on august 31st 1888 and then the last murder was you no know, sometime in November. Um let's see. I think it was November 9th or 10th, um, in eighteen eighty eight. So it was just a few months, like it was from like aug like end of August to the middle of November. So it was really just like what if two it was just a- somebody who like came through town and then That's the thing left. too, like because also I didn't talk about it in this but you know there was the possibility that it could have been the servant girl and I later which I don't think it was um because I mean it kind of lines up like he was being pretty like brutal with their bodies but he was not being like surgical like Jack the Ripper was like yeah, Jack the Ripper was different. like literally removing different. Different. yeah he was like pulling their intestines out hanging them over their shoulders like that That's why I'm like, okay, well, George Chapman looks really good because, like, he was a junior... He was a a junior surgeon or whatever, and so, like, he looks really good, but then, you know, you need the whole picture and each of these guys they give you just, like, a fraction of it, and you're like... (sighs) Who did it? Somebody... There has to be a journal somewhere. Like, today I murdered three women. (laughs) Well, they found that one journal that, uh... I think it was George Chapman that he had like left or no, maybe it wasn't George Chapman. See, I already have them all so confused. There were so many suspects. There were so many, so many victims. It's so many people to keep up with. That's why I can't use a list of 67,000 people, unfortunately, because I do good to remember my own name some days. So having to remember that many names, but this one just perplexes the hell out of me. I don't, um, Mm -hmm. I want closure. I've just accepted that I'm probably never going to get closure. Um, so, I think that's real rude it can it can be one of our questions when we when we get to heaven. <laughs> who's Jack the Ripper who's Jack the Ripper like thank you I just think it's very rude there's a there's a few a few things I want to ask when you get there is like is Jesus or whoever like a genie and you get like three questions you can just ask with like you know you all right you get three questions <laughs> like <laughs> On <laughs> three, I got ninety-seven thousand. Like, are aliens real? <laughs> do we go to the moon when we, we went to Yeah, the moon? you can't. <laughs> you can't give me only three. I need twenty because top. I, like, I, I need three minimum. minimum. Three a year. I can handle three a year, but <laughs> 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 but yeah, guys. So that is Jack the Ripper finally finished. Um, when I tell you the amount of brain power that it took i like, I think all in all, that that was close to like 50 pages of research. And I, I want to say it probably took me, I've spent at least two weeks on Jack the Ripper, like all in all, it's like, I don't ever have time to just like sit down and do it like nonstop. And when I do, I can only go for like 30, 45 minutes before I'm like, I can't stare at this computer anymore. And <laughs> it's literally like over 10,000 words. Like it's a lot. So, um, well, we're real proud of you, girl. and now i want to do zodiac but i'm gonna wait on zodiac for a little while because that's the same thing i these i hate these ones (laughs) where it's like there's no resolution you're just like so sorry but i think we do have some resolution with the the monster of florence in zodiac so we have that going for us yeah but yeah guys so you can check us out on instagram it's dark damn disturbed podcast tiktok is dark damn disturbed pod if emily ever decides to make another tiktok um you can send us an email to dark damn at gmail.com we have a facebook page now it's facebook.com slash dark or you can just look up ddd podcast um you can leave us a review if you want to uh can't tell you what to do do it um or emily can tell you to do it because she's your mom apparently so yeah We will catch you guys in the next one. Bye! Bye!